0: It's another fun-filled episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. This week, I will be talking about the Salem Witch Trials and the town of Salem in Massachusetts. I spent a weekend there in 2012, went on a ghost walk, went through many, many old and potentially haunted properties. In fact, the hotel we stayed in was uh, built upon what used to be a uh, wine vineyard. And a strawberry orchard. The owner of that property left it to his daughter. Her husband was killed, I believe, in World War I. And she no longer had the money to keep up what her father left her in his will when he died in the late 1800s. His daughter, by the time her husband had died in World War I, she was in her late 20s. She unfortunately fell into a deep state of depression uh, Became a terrible mother because she was abusing alcohol And eventually just burned the entire orchard and and uh, winery to the ground In the hopes of uh, collecting some sort of compensation for it However, she was accused and tried for arson And imprisoned Before she was captured Uh, To be locked away for what she had done She killed herself upon the property That she then destroyed That was left to her Which then developers come in And build a freaking hotel on top of that site And I'll tell you a little bit later A little bit more about that hotel And what I experienced And my wife and mother-in-law What all three of us experienced In this hotel Specifically in the room we stayed in And the elevator we rode on I'll be diving into the history and mystery of the Salem Witch Trials, the hysteria of mob mentality, and our guided tour through the Witch Museum, which was really interesting. And also be naming the names of those that were killed and tortured during the hysteria of the Salem Witch Trials. Please hold for a super important message from one of our sponsors.
1: Unparalleled Insider Access. Get. It. All. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most most exclusive exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer detailed supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada.
0: What are the most haunted places in Salem? If there was one city you'd expect to have a lot of ghosts it would be Salem, Massachusetts. When people talk about the most haunted cities to visit Salem almost always comes up on the list. I know it was on my list and I was fortunate enough to spend a weekend in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, There's uh, ghost city tours that they have. Uh, They've always taken great pride in researching the history and people associated with hauntings and that they feature on their ghost tours and Salem is no different before they opened their ghost tours in Salem they spent many months researching the ghost stories and seeing what is true and what is simply folklore and they put together a list of the most haunted places in Salem and these are the locations uh, where they have verified that ghosts actually haunt. Uh, They also corrected some of the common misconceptions about a number of ghost stories being told. Now, nothing will replace a great ghost tour. So, while they hope you enjoy the list that they provided me with about Salem's Most Haunted Places, they also hope that you will join them for a ghost tour in Salem so they can show you these locations and tell you even more ghost stories about them. Now, the first one that they submitted to me was Burying Point Cemetery, perhaps the most famous haunted cemetery in Salem. The Burying Point Cemetery has seen a lot of over the course of Salem's history. Perhaps this is why so many ghost haunts take place in this cemetery. On the tour They take you to the Burying Point Cemetery and tell you the stories of the ghosts which haunt there. But, I mean, for now, they just take you through the ghost tours of the Burying Point Cemetery on uh, what they have set up during those actual tours. Now, the Witch House is another one. Maybe the most famous haunted house in Salem as the only building remaining that is or was connected to the witch trials. And that was 1692. And this house still stands. Of course, it's seen major renovations. Now, the Witch House garners a lot of attention from people visiting Salem. And during the ghost tours, they make a stop outside of the Witch House. But if you can't wait to learn more about it, you can always check the Salem City ghost tours and learn more about the history and mystery of that location. Another one is Proctor's Ledge. After many years of debate, historians now mostly agree that Proctor's Ledge was the site of the hangings of the Salem witch trials. Now the hauntings there start to make sense. For over 200 years, the rumors of Proctor's Ledge being haunted have circulated throughout Salem. Howard Street Cemetery Along with the Burying Point Cemetery, the Howard Street Cemetery is one of Salem's most famous haunted cemeteries. The site where Giles Corey was flattened between two stones. It should come as no surprise that the cemetery, well, is said to be haunted. The Old Salem Jail. If there is one place in Salem that is sure to be haunted, it is the Old Salem Jail. While it might not be a jail anymore, the building which sits there, where the jail was located, is haunted by more than a few ghosts. And not all of them are friendly. The House of Seven Gables, which I took a full tour through. The House of Seven Gables might be the most well-known house in Salem. Although the witch house may give it a run for its money. Today, the House of Seven Gables is well-known ...as one of Salem's most haunted houses. Who might be haunting this house? No one knows. The haunted Pickman House. One of the most haunted houses in Salem. The Pickman House has been well known... ...as the home to many ghosts for hundreds of years. Even passerbyers to the house... ...have reported seeing the ghosts of apparitions... ...in the windows and on the grounds. And while you cannot go inside the Pickman House... It is still very interesting to look at and view from the outside, of course. The Joshua Ward House. The Joshua Warehouse is one of the Salem's most historic homes, and if people are to be believed, it is also one of the most haunted houses in Salem. Rockefellers. Most people who are coming to Salem are looking for the total paranormal experience this often means finding a haunted restaurant to enjoy a delicious dinner if it sounds like you uh, the Rockefeller's might be the place that you're looking for known as one of the most haunted restaurants in salem Rockefeller's seems to be home to more than a few ghosts the haunted merchant if you're looking for a haunted place in salem you don't have to look much further than the merchant long known for being one of the most haunted places in salem It had been on this list for a very long time, with a connection to the Salem Witch Trials. It might not surprise people that this location is in fact very haunted. The Haunted Ropes Mansion, made famous for being in the movie Hocus Pocus, the Ropes Mansion has been famous in Salem for much longer. It has also been regarded as a haunted place in Salem for even longer. Why would that beautiful mansion be haunted? Could it be due to the deaths that happened in the house? Gallows Hill. With a name like Gallows Hill, it probably doesn't surprise you to learn that this is one of the most haunted houses in the Salem area. For a long time, this was rumored to be the location where the the witch trial hangings took place. But the history does not back that up, unfortunately. Regardless... The area around Gallows Hill on the house that once stood has long been rumored to be haunted by the people who died in Salem. Who could be haunting that area? The Old Town Hall. The Salem Old Town Hall seems to be the place where many spirits and ghosts have chosen to spend the afterlife in Salem. For over 150 years, the stories of ghosts and hauntings have been coming from the Old Town Hall. On the Salem ghost tours, they often make the stop at the old town hall to tell you the creepy story of why one of the most haunted places in Salem came to be. The Salem Inn. The Salem Inn is the perfect place to stay. In Salem, if you're looking for a room with a ghost or two, over the years, an untold number of guests have been staying at the Salem Inn and they've reported ghostly apparitions bothering them in the night. Who could be haunting the Salem Inn and why are they still there? Well, drive, dive into the history of this location and it would tell you why the Ghost City Tours think that it's one of Salem's most haunted spots. Now, the Salem Inn is where we stayed when we visited Salem. And they had a wedding going on the same weekend. So we got to meet a lot of people going in and going out. And I had to go back to our vehicle to put in the parking pass, so our vehicle would not be towed from the parking lot and at this time, it was two thousand twelve, so I had one of the first iPhones at this point, and I was playing around with the screen when I got on the elevator and then noticed to my left this absolutely radiant blonde girl who was standing there uh in the corner, kind of like looking down, and she was dressed really well. I assumed she was a part of the wedding party. So I struck up a conversation with her, and she acknowledged me, smiled, blushed, nodded her head in agreement, and I asked her if she was part of the wedding party, and she went, "Mm mm-hmm, and blushed a little bit more, and I told her she looked beautiful, and she smiled, and the elevator stopped, the doors opened, and I looked back in her direction and said, oh, you can go ahead and get off first. She was gone. So... I was physically riding the elevator alone, but metaphysically had another occupant that I was interacting with and acknowledged me speaking to her. And as I stood there in astonishment, the entire elevator started to smell like roses or strawberries, like a mix of both. And it just kind of wafted through the air. And at night, we stayed there two nights at around 2.33 o'clock, the light switch in the room would click and all the lights would come on. And at some point in the night, you would hear things moving around in the room. And you'd sit and look up and the items you had on the round table that were in your room, the items would be moving around and just fly off the table. And that happened several times as we stayed there for just one weekend. The ghosts of bunghole liquors. Located on Lowell Street, you'll find out one of the most haunted places in Salem. And with a name like Bong Hole we know you're interested. While they don't go into that area during the ghost tours, it is still an important place to know about if you're looking for the most haunted places in Salem. The ghosts of Grimshaw House. Inspiring Hawthorne himself, the Grimshaw House... Should be on any list of the most haunted places in Salem, if not the world. It made the list after all, and there have been a lot of debates as to whether or not the Grimshaw House is in fact haunted or not. Wicked Good Books. If you're into books and ghosts, or even books about ghosts, the Wicked Good Bookstore is for you. Widely regarded as one of the most haunted places in Salem. Wicked Good Books should be on your itinerary when visiting Salem. Please hold for an important word from one of my sponsors. Hello, kids and adults in the listening audience. I'm Neil Parks, award-winning author and paranormal expert. I'd like to wish all of you a very happy Halloween. You are listening to Big Bad Daddy Wolf's Halloween special on 96.6 The Wolf. If you'd like to learn more about me, then you need to get to Google and search at the Neil Parks or my bookstore website which is www.lulu.com/spotlight/neilparks. Thanks. It was not witches who burned. It was women. Women who were seen as too beautiful, too outspoken had too much water in the well yes seriously who had a birthmark women who were too skilled with herbal medicine too loud too quiet too much red in their hair women who had a strong nature connection women who danced women who sang or anything else really any woman was at risk of burning in the 1600s Sisters testified and turned on each other with their babies, were held under ice. Children were tortured to confess their experiences with witches by being fake executed in ovens. Women were held underwater and if they could float, they were guilty and executed. If they sank and drowned, they were innocent. Women were thrown off cliffs. Women were put in deep holes in the ground. Why do I tell you this? Because knowing our history is important when we are building a new world. When we are doing the healing work of our lineages and for women to give the women who were slaughtered a voice, to give these them redress and a chance of peace. It was not witches who burned. It was women. It's amazing. It's truly amazing how mass hysteria and mob mentality can bring out the worst in us. The Salem Witch Trials is a good example of how just a few people can change the tide and turn the entire community on its ear. And there are cases now where the entire world can be turned on its ear by just a few people. The Salem Witch Trials occurred in colonial Massachusetts between 1692 and 1693. More than 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, the devil's magic, and 20 were executed. Eventually, the colony admitted the trials were a mistake and compensated the families of those convicted. Since then, the story of the trials has become synonyms with paranoia synonyms synonymous sorry with paranoia and injustice and it continues to beguile the popular imagination more than 300 years later several centuries ago many practicing christians and those of other religions had a strong belief that the devil could give certain people known as witches the power to harm others and return for their loyalty a witchcraft craze rippled through europe from the 1300s to the end of the 1600s, tens of thousands of supposed witches, mostly women, were executed through the Salem Trials. Though the Salem Trials came on just as the European craze was winding down, local circumstances explained their onset. In 1689, English rulers William and Mary started a war with France and the American colonies known as king william's war to colonialists it was ravaged in regions of upstate new york nova scotia and quebec sending refugees into the county of essex and specifically salem village and the massachusetts bay colony salem village in present day known as danvers massachusetts colonial salem town became what's now salem the displaced people created a strain on Salem's resources. This aggravated the existing rivalry between families with ties to the wealth of the port of Salem and those who still depended on agriculture. Controversy also brewed out Reverend Samuel Paris, who became Salem Village's first ordained minister in 1689 and was disliked because of his rigid ways and greedy nature. The Puritan villagers believed all the quarreling was the work of the devil. In January 1692, Reverend Paris's daughter, Elizabeth, age 9, and niece Abigail Williams, age 11, started having fits. They screamed through things, uttered peculiar sounds, and controlled themselves, contorted themselves into strange positions. And a local doctor blamed the supernatural. Another girl, Ann Putnam, age 11, experienced similar episodes on February 29th under pressure from magistrates Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne. The girls blamed three women for afflicting them. Titsuba, the Paris Caribbean slave, Sarah Good, a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, an elderly imprisoned woman. All three were brought before the local magistrates and interrogated for several days, starting on March 1st, 1692. Osborne claimed innocence, as did Good, but Tichaba confessed, The devil came to me and bid me to serve him. She described elaborate images of black dogs, red cats, yellow birds, and a black man who wanted her to sign his book. She admitted, that she signed the book and said there were several other witches looking to destroy the Puritans. All three women were put in jail. With the seed of paranoia planted, a stream of accusations followed for the next few months. Charges against Martha Corey, a loyal member of the church in Salem Village, greatly concerned the community. If she could be a witch, then anyone could be. Sounds a lot like the Red Scare of the 1950s with everyone being a communist and everything being communistic as to where we are today, where the illegal immigrants are going to take your jobs and get you and the Arabs are going to kill us all. And those who are not Christians obviously work for the devil and want to destroy patriotism. It's the same level of hysteria and nonsense. We have not changed a bit. Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy, and her timid answers were constructed as a confession. They misconstrued everything and used it to their benefit. The questioning got more serious in April when Deputy Governor Thomas Danforth and his assistants attended the hearings. Dozens of people from Salem and other Massachusetts villages were brought in for questioning. On May 27, 1692, Governor William Phipps ordered the establishment of a special court of Oyer to hear and to decide for Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties. The first case brought to the special court was Bridget Bishop, an older woman known by her gossipy habits and promiscuity. When asked if she committed witchcraft, Bishop responded, I am as innocent as the child unborn. The defense must not have been convincing because she was found guilty and on June 10th became the first person hanged on what was later called Gallows Hill. Five days later, respected minister Cotton Mather wrote a letter imploring the court not to allow spectral evidence, testimony about dreams and visions. The court largely ignored this request and people, five of them, were sentenced and hanged in July. This was around the same time that so many people believed that popcorn popped because demons were inside the kernels, and the heat brought out the demons. On October 3rd, following in his son's footsteps, Increase Mather, then president of Harvard, denounced the use of spectral evidence. It were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. Governor Phipps, a response to Mather's plea and his own wife being questioned for witchcraft, prohibited further arrests, released many accused witches, and dissolved the court of Oyer on October 29th. Phipps replaced it with a superior court and was disallowed spectral evidence and only condemned three out of 56 defendants. Phipps eventually pardoned all who were in prison and witchcraft charges, by May of 1693, but the damage had already been done. 19 were hanged on Gallows Hill. A 71-year-old man was pressed to death with heavy stones. Several people died in jail, and nearly 200 overall had been accused of practicing the devil's magic. Following the trials and executions, many involved, like Judge Samuel Seawall, publicly confessed error and guilt. On January 14, 1697, the general court ordered a day of fasting and soul searching for the tragedy of Salem. In 1702, the court declared the trials unlawful. And in 1711, the colony passed a bill restoring the rights and good names of those accused and granted $600 in restitution. To their heirs. However, it was not until 1957, more than 250 years later, that Massachusetts formally apologized for the events of 1692.
1: Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio Radio app. Now number one for podcasting. Experience. Columbus's newest and most entertaining haunted attraction, Carnage Haunted House. Carnage Haunted House and their monsters return to an all-new indoor 60,000 square foot location at 3770 Refugee Road. Home of intense terror that's guaranteed to scare. Featuring the Bayou, the Entity, and more. Experience the thrill of two of Columbus's most immersive attractions and terrifying all indoor haunts under one roof. For ticket prices and hours of operation, visit them on Facebook or check out Carnage Haunted House.
0: Good evening. I am Neil Parks, award winning author. I am going to read to you a story from my second book, Haunted Chillicothe. The story is about Elizabeth's grave. The legend of Elizabeth's grave has played a major part in the mystery and whispers of legend and lore in this area for many generations. The stories that come from there are terrifying. The rumors are similar from person to person, and the history holds no real validity. So many accounts have been relayed to me through the years, and I approach each case with an open mind and a sense of skepticism. The area in which these hauntings take place is a wildlife reserve off Egypt-Pike Road. There is a long dirt road that will lead you to where an old cemetery rests to your left. This location has been vandalized time and time again by local hooligans, which, has left a majority of the tombstones in disarray, and not placed where they should be. This is an area which is said by many to have been sacred ground among the Native Americans that used to live there. One of the many stories that I have been told pertains to a group of teens that attempted to spend the night in the old graveyard. Their account stated that they were sitting in lawn chairs, and a cool breeze blew through the area. A frightening calm hovered over them and within a few seconds the sound of growling and the gnashing of teeth and the vibration of what sounded like hundreds of feet stomping through the woods was headed in their direction without so much as a second thought the teens grabbed their gear left the chairs and fled from the campsite completely consumed with fear in the lights of their vehicle They claim to have seen huge, red, glowing eyes. There are many people who have claimed that they arrived at the site and shut off their vehicles. They will not start up again after that. Some people have reported seeing red, glowing eyes protruding through the woods, lurking in the field, or peering from behind the car, or the tree where Elizabeth supposedly hanged until she died. I had an unfortunate experience many years ago while I was following up on a UFO sighting in that area. I was walking around the old cemetery location and had the beam of my flashlight panning across the heavily wooded backdrop. This is the area where dozens of tombstones lie scattered about. The sight of total disrespect for the dead saddened me and what happened next took the breath from my very lungs. The beam of my flashlight exposed what appeared to be a Bigfoot creature. I took three huge steps back before I was able to breathe again. I almost ran back to my vehicle before realizing that this was only a man-made beast. In the darkness of night, along an overgrown tree line, the fake Bigfoot looked very real. It turns out that one of the local high schools does this every year as a prank. There are still so many unanswered questions, different versions of the story, and hundreds of people reporting weird phenomenon in this area that I had to launch a full-scale investigation into the legend of Elizabeth's grave. On October 21, 2006, while I was taking part in a paranormal investigation with the South Central Ohio Paranormal Society, we attempted to shed some light on the history and folklore that surrounds the area within Elizabeth's grave. There are so many stories that have been floating around this area. The stories pertain to her grave and the mystery behind who Elizabeth was, where she came from, where she went and what exactly happened to her. Upon our arrival, we ran into a young couple at the site seeking the same answers. They were from this area, however, they had only stopped by once before. They had actually made this night their second encounter in search of this mysterious grave. Their names were Andrew and Victoria. They were there the night before as well. The first time, they were joined by two of Victoria's friends. Their story was indeed strange. According to Victoria, a possible residual apparition of Elizabeth herself touched her. She said, "'While I was walking to the right side of my group,' I was at a distance of no more than two people away from them. My group just happened to be at my left when I felt something grab me and pull me further from my friends. I froze for a moment so I could gather myself. I realized that the only other people in the area other than me were my friends to the left, Victoria stated. She continued. I was motionless and still. It was only a few moments before I actually brought up the experience to the others in my group. When they were made aware of this, they bore witness to a phenomenon unlike anything they would have ever imagined. Andrew added, "'Everything around us grew quiet except the sounds of the tree limbs snapping and a silent whisper coming from that old oak tree to the right. It sits next to the natural path by the cemetery.'" Andrew explained to us how they were made aware of this supernatural hotspot. They discovered this location through a website theghostbyforgottenohio.com. This site seems to be a popular resource for local Scoobies. Andrew also informed us of some excellent haunted hotspots in and around the Dayton, Ohio area. His information and their accounts were most helpful. The stories and legends surrounding the mystery of Elizabeth were similar through their statements and understanding pertaining to their experience. The legend, according to what they've heard or read, revolves around the idea that Elizabeth was a witch, frightened local zealots murdered her, and she allegedly haunts the woods in and around the cemetery. She is supposedly buried to the right of the oak tree that she was hung from. However, there are no written records pertaining to her living as a witch, or dying as a result of witchcraft. There is a headstone bearing the name Elizabeth that rests in the basement of the Archives Building in the historical downtown district in Chillicothe, Ohio. It remains there in order to protect that piece from vandals. It is believed to be the real headstone for the actual Elizabeth. Elizabeth and her mother were said to have fled from Salem, Massachusetts, in 1692, for the crimes of witchcraft. Elizabeth was supposed to have been twenty at the time of her death in 1712. Elizabeth only an infant at the time when her and her mother fled from Salem. They were said to be seeking refuge as far from the madness as possible. The two of them took a path in the area that went through what would later be known as the Erie Canal. Elizabeth and her mother found a vacant house in the woods, no more than 300 feet from where the cemetery now rests. Elizabeth's mother was said to have befriended a local farmer. The farmer's first wife died in childbirth. The farmer took Elizabeth's mother as his wife after a long courtship. Elizabeth's mother never told her new husband about her supernatural abilities or where she came from. However, as Elizabeth grew into a young woman, it became evident to everyone in the area that both Elizabeth and her mother possessed special abilities. The discovery led to their death by the hands of paranoid, angry people. With torches and pitchforks, the locals headed to the house that Elizabeth's mother made into a home for them. Later that evening, we finished our investigation by speaking briefly with another group of spooky enthusiasts. They were also looking for the same answers. This group traveled well over an hour to visit this spot, and they too found out about it through the same website. In the end, our research showed while we were in the far left side of this area, we noticed that there were several dozen broken headstones and grave markers. One of these headstones displayed the name Elizabeth. It showed the date of death being 1932. We noticed heavy drops in energy from the readings on our electromagnetic pulse meters. The further we got from the area, the more severe the jump in the electromagnetic energy. The meter stayed calm for the most part. However, there were significant drops in magnetic energy while we were standing near the oak tree with Andrea and Andrew and Victoria. After almost an hour of calm silence, the wind started to pick up and a phantom aroma filled the air around us. It smelled like a strawberry perfume mixed with the smell of rust. While this was plaguing us, my attention was quickly switched. One of my team members stated that they had a feeling of a little hand with a gentle grip clasping onto their left hand. Their hands smelled like strawberries for the rest of the evening. This was, without a doubt, more than we bargained for. At that exact moment, our meter dropped by a few points, and after the wind died down, it quickly rose up again. What a night! We not only encountered the unexplained, but we encountered others who were looking for the same answers. We walked away from the investigation, only to realize that the case of Elizabeth's grave and the enigmatic mysteries that surround it are definitely still open. That's all for this episode of Paranormally Speaking. I went over the Salem witch trials, talked about the events that unfolded, and how really it's just a mirror image of what... We're still doing to each other today to a certain extent. Uh, We have homophobes killing gays. We have racists killing people of color. We have vegetarians fighting meat eaters. We have Republicans wanting to kill Democrats. Uh, You've got tall people fighting short people. The list goes on. We haven't learned a damn thing from what happened in Salem. And we've not become better. In the midst of this pandemic, we've just found new ways to treat one another like crap. Have a great weekend. Halloween is Sunday. Enjoy it. Take pictures. And if people have trick-or-treat either tonight or tomorrow, be careful out there. No one's really paying attention, and too many people just don't care. So watch yourself. And keep your eyes on the sky. Listen for those weird noises at night and watch the waters for strange creatures that live beneath. This is Neil Parks signing off.